Coming up on this week's episode of the Zenial Odyssey podcast. I know, I was telling you on the way here about the Playboy documentary. This place is like full of hate and misinformation. The worst thing that can happen to a brand is to associate themselves with someone who says something negative. The kind stuff like that doesn't get the traction that the girls clap. One thing I love to do is to stretch the narrative on people. My last two ex-girlfriends had OnlyFans. But I think that we're in a sexual evolution, but the sexual evolution is focused on women. Record 20 right now. Okay, that's fine. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Zenial Odyssey podcast. And as always, but not always, I'm joined by Remy. Yeah, he keeps me in the basement. And once every three episodes, he takes me out. So can I can I have some water, sir? I'm still holding the chains. You better be nice. <laughs> you should have a sound effect for that. All right. So it's been a while. What you been up to? I have been wallowing in self-misery. Oh. I have been um, working on art. Working on self-preservation, personal evolution, spiritual Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, spiritual I like your Ragnarok. I need to write that one down, I think. Okay, so we got to, I mean, I, I'm guessing we can start with social media. Yeah, I mean, isn't it the core of all things yeah. right now? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to jump off, you want to start this, you can start this, but I can start it if you want. No, no, feel free to give it. I'll let you, I'll let you get it going and I'll jump on it like a thirsty child. Okay. So yeah, I feel like this episode can just be about how, uh, we have, uh, an equal hatred for what social media has become. Yes. Uh, social media, when it first came out, I don't know if you remember, I joined on about a year. I joined on about 2005 and yeah, I joined on to MySpace, and yeah, I was friends with Tom. Hey, Tom, you know. And then I and then I joined on to Facebook, and at first I was like, "This isn't really as fun as MySpace." Um, no, my experience on Facebook compared to MySpace, my my MySpace experience was literally religious. I will gladly share that at any point. Yeah, I loved. I mean, first off, I loved how you could customize your page. You could customize your friends. You could customize. You could play music that was just always running when people would go on your page. Yeah. Um, and it was truly a place where it was actually um, in a in a prior podcast, which um, I did by myself. I talked about uh, how with our advancement of technology, I figured that like it would be easier to find like awesome music. And it actually isn't that way. But MySpace started that way. Yeah, it did. And, and even like some of my favorite like artists and performers, Kid Cudi is a great example and put his first music on MySpace and it sort of got traction and then he made a mixtape. And, and so it was, and not only that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, I think a big takeaway from MySpace was the art community was sort of predominant on there. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was really creative and there was a freedom and, and I got to, I got to sort of, um, circle it back to something you said regarding MySpace, the top eight. Yep. Of MySpace on your profile page was the most amazing way to be passive aggressive to yep. your friends. Mm -hmm. you, first of all, back then we didn't know that the celebrities following us were fake. We didn't understand the concept yet of like catfishing. Yep. So, you know, I thought the Angelina Jolie that was messaging me was Angelina Jolie, you know. <laughs> then you'd put you'd stack them in your top eight. You'd have like your girlfriend or your SO in number one, you'd have to. Yeah, there'd be moments where like she screwed up or he screwed up, and you'd like passive aggressively move them to number two, and it would start a shitstorm 
in your life. Do you know what I actually used to do with mine? I would rotate my top eight. I would I give everyone a fair shot. Um, even Tom. I would even give Tom a fair shot. Like, hey, you know. Um, and then MySpace. I, I, so Remy and I talked off the air about how uh, I had MySpace from 2006 to about 2012. Yeah. And then I left for, for four years. Uh, so we'll do our usual. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that after we play a song that somehow relates to this or not. Yeah, we'll and figure we'll, that out. And then we'll come back. I'll finish that story. You know what that's called, boys and girls? That's called a teaser right there. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So, nips, my nips are perked. Yep. So we're going to unperk those nips depending on what kind of song and how, we're, how frisky we're feeling. And we're going to come back. And as always, people, welcome to the Odyssey. I like it. Yep. All right. So, yeah, we're back. We're back. So I'll get right back into my story. So the main reason I actually reactivated my Facebook was because I was getting married and I found it an easier way to 
connect with people. I did have friends who were like, you know, what the fuck, man? Like we put up all these like invites and all these things and then we have to send you a text message. And I mean, there's the part of me that's like, oh, muffin. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh wow. you had to do a thing. You had to do something. Yeah. Oh. But so I did that. And in the four years that I was gone, I noticed the change and I got back on there and I was like, what the fuck is this place? This place is like full of hate and misinformation. You know what it was? It was a potential utopia that turned into a dystopia. Yeah. And, and it turned into a dystopia because we allowed and encouraged that. In my opinion, we did. There was fuckery and there was brilliance. And there was a line between the two. Mm-hmm. And at some point between those years, I want to say maybe it was around 2015, 2015, um, you could feel the sea change in it. It was misinformation being shared and stolen art and stolen memes and, yep. and recycled um, posts and tweets. And, um, and it became an angry, vitriolic place. And I think the reason, one of the key reasons for that um, was the fact that it allowed people who shouldn't have a soapbox a soapbox. Yeah, now, sh- should everybody have one to some extent? Of course. But we've learned pretty quickly that certain people abuse them, misuse yep. them. And unfortunately, that kind of bastardizes all those platforms for everybody. But it became a place where people who, and this is why I left Twitter and I came back to Twitter this month and it's stupid and I hate it. One of the reasons I left was initially it was a really cool way to like at an artist you liked and maybe like be like, yo, this piece of work affected me. And they could be like, oh, I see you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it became a place where people realized quickly that you get more traction being a shithead and not liking something than you do for liking something. Yep. Mm-hmm. So people started to be like, oh, okay, well, if I tweet that I like something, it gets nothing. But if I tweet that Captain America is racist and I like mention a scene that's super obscure that is not significant to race at all, but I can somehow circle it around, <laughs> that's going to get maybe retweets. That's going to get traction and that's going to get interactions, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Once people saw that, they were like, oh, let's crucify everything. And that fucking sucks. It does suck. It's, it's just, and it's, unfortunately, the other problem with it is, did you, okay, do you know anything about that television show from HBO Max called Santa Inc.? No. With Seth Rogen and Sarah, um, that pretty Sarah who's annoying, she's a comedian, Silverman. Silver, Sarah Silverman. Um, so, it's a stop motion show in the vein of like, and this is relevant, so just, of those Rankin-Bass specials from the 70s. Yeah. I found it one night and I was like, what is this? It's trippy and weird. Okay. Um, but it's really incredibly cruel and weird to, to the white man. The running joke of the show is just like, we're the devil. Um, and so people hated the show, like hate bomb the show. Like, I think it has the lowest review of any major show on television. It has a 1.8 on IMDb. Yeah, I know. That's why nobody heard about it. Cause it quickly HBO was like, oh shit. The reason I'm saying this is because when it got the 1.8, Seth Rogen popped on Twitter and said, oh, well, white supremacists hate bombed our show. And that's the other problem with tweets is now because artists do have to be defensive, yeah, but they don't know how to be constructively defensive. I think that their go-to reaction now is claiming hate or misogyny or yep. racism if they can with their material. Or uh, sticking with a hot top, top, a hot button topic that pisses me off to no end, they uh, try to uh, align themselves with cancel culture. Oh well, that's the big you thing. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
It's like, oh, you're, oh, like, oh, this person's, oh, they're sexist. Oh, let's cancel them. Uh, and then the person has to backtrack or they have to put out an apology. And then all of the people that brand with them have to stop branding with them because, you know, they don't want to lose money. And does everyone realize when it comes to uh, corporations and the people who have the money? Can that, I hold the mic? Yeah, sure. The only reason that. Excuse me, guys. Remix. No. She's like, wicked, wicked. The only reason the only reason they even give a flying fuck about it is because they don't want to lose money. Yeah, that's all course. it is. They don't care about your cause. They don't care about any of that stuff. They care about your money. And if you weren't going to spend the money on them, then they'll just go right back to these racist, horrible people. Yeah. I mean, you know, the worst thing that can happen to a brand is to associate themselves with someone who says something negative or has said something negative on social media. But again, that's not really them standing against racism or sexism. That's realizing that particular influencer or celebrity is going to detract from them making financial gains. I gotta get my dollar sign somewhere else. Yeah, cancel culture is is interesting because it's created a sort of witch burn mentality. Yes, it has. And you know we haven't seen that as a culture in a long, long time. And, and that's the problem with giving a million, you know, what seven billion idiots a soapbox when half of them aren't educated enough to make valid points or to hold discussions or yep. to have debates because. What I liked, if you remember, Bobby, back in the days when social media kind of started getting corny, the Facebook days, yep. I would post debates and questions, and those would get engagements. That's what helped me become a writer and get published, was initially learning how to engage people. Mm -hmm. But it used to be like you could ask things and have debates, and you saw that that tide change completely in the last five years, to a horrifying degree, I think. And it extends beyond uh, even like Facebook or Twitter. like. I, I like sports. I follow the Bleacher Report app. And it's the, the comment sections in there are a cesspool in and of themselves, too. So, I mean, I personally have never been on Twitter. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It just kind of was like, okay, whatever. And then the, it's a cesspool. Yeah, when it became a super cesspool, I said, well, uh, what the fuck do I want to do with that anyway? I don't want to be on there. Like, Yeah, no, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, it's like, you know what? I get enough negativity from Facebook. Why do I want to go somewhere else and get some more negativity? I only went back, I mean, for me, it was the same reason I went on TikTok. I hated the idea of TikTok. I still do, but at least now that I've been on it for like a month, I can see its benefits. It's, it's It has a really cool art community. It has a good um, affirmation community too, yep. which is strange. You see these like, hey, has no one told you today? You're beautiful. And that stuff's really sweet and it's beneficial, I believe. Um, so, so nothing like the reels. <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing is like, people got to understand that the kind of stuff like that doesn't get the traction that the girls clapping their ass cheeks and stuff. Does. No, it's true. You know, and that's, that's the most sort of depressing part. I think for a lot of people is, um, the over-sexualization of, of the youth of America because of platforms like that. But again, you're only going to see that if you look for that aspect of it. I have none of that on my feed because yep. it's artists and it's cats and it's stupid, like weird art projects by people. Um, but realizing what twitter and tiktok is if i didn't have to do them because i'm a social media person yep i don't think i would i don't i think yeah. for me it's a necessary evil unfortunately no i and I, I agree i mean i do pop on my facebook uh just to check in see what what's going on with people because i do have people who still will post about their families or yeah. uh, friends of mine i grew up with that have children now and yeah that stuff's great or my cousins who because of this uh, pandemic 
uh, live in other states and I can't see mm-hmm. them as much as I used to. So that stuff is there, but I have to get through all the bullshit to yeah. get there, you know? And you're like me, man. I got to say, like, big ups to Bobby, but we're both somewhat easily triggered by ignorance. Somewhat triggered. <laughs> well, I'm trying to downplay <laughs> I it. I know. Yeah, we can see a post and like, oh my God, it can become a shitstorm for us. Like, we have to be really careful about what we react to and what we don't react to on social media. So because I we're know, reactionary people. Yeah, and I know I, I talked to Rem off the air when we were we were driving up uh, to actually set up for the uh, the podcast that we're doing right now. And I told him uh, one thing I love to do is to stretch the narrative on people. To me, so many people, speaking of the ignorance, they just they just jump on and they're just like, oh, I, I want to stand behind this issue. And I'm one of those people that's like, okay, well, let's let's get context and then let's talk. Let's break it down. Okay, do you... Do you still agree with it, even if we come at it from this angle and that angle? And you really find the people who just they they saw a slogan or something, oh, and it's 100%. like they're holding. Like, listen, uh, it's that new trend of someone taking a photo of someone holding a sign at a rally now, and they realize that holding a sign is going to get them retweeted and get them likes. And it's not about what, even what the sign says; it's pageantry. I'm not going to lie; I do share that, especially when it's like that random guy. That and everyone, great like, everyone changes the sign and it's and I, I i did retweet the one or i did uh share the one that was like uh why are we still making fast and furious movies <laughs> like that's gonna be its own episode yeah we, let's not bring that up here <laughs> okay. because there's too much to unpack i can tell you why because they're superhero movies with cars they're marvel movies with cars Ugh. we worked with special needs kids they loved that shit yep that was their lifeblood they also loved Medea, and i would always love Hello. it yeah i would always love it when uh Someone we worked with who was black would be like, "Oh, so so you support uh, you support something that portrays black people in the light that they've been trying. We've been trying to uh, not portray ourselves in." Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I think that you know, Medea is um, self exploitation at its finest, I suppose, or at its worst. But but like, but here's the thing: I learned quickly that just learning how to say hello in her voice could de-escalate those kids pretty quickly. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. It's like, Rome, I'm getting triggered. I'm like, hello. Hello, and I hate it, but it makes me laugh when I do it because there's a certain brevity to it, I guess. Um, but yeah, we're I don't know where we were going, but we're living in hell, (laughs) yeah. I mean, because one thing that has now, because of uh, how social media is now a a conglomerate to itself, uh, conglomerates do this nifty thing, whether people are aware of it or not, and they they partner together. Oh my god, uh, so. I know on uh, a couple episodes ago, I was talking with Sherry Lynn about uh, reality TV. And one of the things that uh, we didn't really talk about, we did we talked about like the real world. We, we didn't really dig deep into other ones. But here's one for the social media generation. And that's like, think about polygamy. Mm. Think about like shows like Big Love. HBO did Big Love, which was, I mean, that was, what was that? Bill, Bill Pullman's last uh, big thing before he passed away, I think. Ah, Pullman. Yeah. It's game over, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but, that's Paxton. Sorry, Paxton. Pullman oh, Paxton. 30 yeah. lashes. Hold on, yeah. bro. Uh, can you go a little faster? <laughs> yeah, okay. It just sounds like uh-huh. we're masturbating yeah, in a hallway. Little, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going for. <laughs> nice. There it is. Oh. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I, like, I, but let's talk about like um, Sister Wives. Like that's a reality show. <sighs> like Sister Wives. Um 21 encounter or whatever it is. So I'm like, well, can we, okay. So yeah. let's take it around and circle it back to pop culture. Then. Yeah. How about the fact that has this polygamy trend, is that what's making every girl now want to have an open relationship? What's, I don't, that's a good point. Because man. if you're talking about polygamy normalized, which obviously those shows yep. did. And I, I mean, I date a lot and I can tell you that the trend in the last five years 
is girls. Because if, listen, if a guy says, let's be open, he's a scumbag. We can't open with it. We can't. Um, it's too aggressive. But if girls are open with it, which they do, what, is, what does this mean for us as people? Like, I'm not saying I'm against it. I think open relationships are probably much healthier than non-open relationships because there's transparency. But has polygamy been, wait for it, wait for it, too normalized? I would say so. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, don't, I don't think a lot of these, you know, 25-year-old girls who are like, yeah, let's be open are, gonna, are aware of the fact that like... This complexity to relationships yeah. and adding more people to those relationships. One thing it's not going to do. You might come more. You know, you definitely will. And you'll be sexually satisfied. But that person is like adding an equation to an algebra. Like, you know, adding a, a new element. It's, let's let's solve algebra one with trigonometry. Yeah, it's really yeah. it is. And I understand where if people are open and honest about it from the get-go where it's, it's beneficial. But I'm just curious because I've dated since I was 15 like my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't had too many dry spells. I enjoy the company of women. They're very complex creatures. <laughs> but I can tell you that you did not hear that discussion in the late 90s and early 2000s. No. And now girls will be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And then kind of tying into that, because of all the social media formats, Facebook, Reels, TikTok, Twitter, where... Uh, again, like you, you have said, like girls just slapping their ass cheeks together gets more like, so we have, we have, uh, we have real quote unquote reality television shows, which do not paint reality. And they, they, uh, I, so in that episode, Rem, you'll love this. I made a reference to the Watchmen because uh -huh. I talked, I talked about how we're not, we're not demonstrating reality with that. We're, we're deforming it. We're oh. defying and we're defiling it. Um, yeah. It's, it's like a Lynchian reality. Yeah. But now add on to that, the, uh, the perception that all of these social media platforms give of like the point. Yeah. Objectify yourself. It yeah. is to be objectified. And now we have open. And I mean, what, what do you, I, I, we're not women. We're not females. We're not, we're not 12 year olds, which that's, that's what I'm talking about. Formative, formative, like females who are like in their formative years, like what kind of message does that send to them? What does that do to their self-esteem? What does that do to their emotional health? Like, yeah, and, and you got to understand that the, the toxicity of females measuring their worth in sex and in their outer shells i understand that the argument can be made that if men weren't idolizing them as such they wouldn't have an audience to sell this stuff so it's it's a two-way street that's really tough to figure out but here's the thing it's like my ex-girlfriend my last two ex-girlfriends had only fans so this is relevant this yeah. is you know, and I've had my friends who are married or in relationships where that hasn't happened asking me, like, how can you handle that? Well, it's relatively easy. And and allow me a moment. First of all, you're not talking about a porno OnlyFans in these cases. You're not talking about girls sleeping with people on their OnlyFans. It's not hardcore shit. It's, in most cases, an OnlyFans is a girl doing solo shit. <laughs> I don't know what a big OnlyFans thing is, and I learned this from, from my last two girlfriends. They just bring their fucking phones in the shower. Nothing in that shower is exceptional. They wash their hair, but they keep their boobies shown or whatever. Yeah. That's it. And it's like, that's bang for them. And it's like, okay, I respect that hustle. But, um, and, and so it never bothered me because I saw it for what it was. I know it's a trend. If you want to date a certain caliber of woman, you have to expect that. Yeah. And if you're going to try to assassinate it or change it, they're just going to think you're a fucking scumbag. So you've learned pretty early that like, okay, this is how it is. But also like, my, especially my last relationship when the OnlyFans would come in, those motherfuckers bought me Jordans. 
Her simps bought me Jordans. Really? Yeah, that's just how it works. There's good money in that. And it wasn't like she kept the money to herself. So it's like, yo. Dude, you're so awesome. This is how it is in my mind right now that you say that. It's like, dude, you're so awesome and supportive of your OnlyFans girlfriend. Here's some Jordans. Yeah, no. Well, you get prizes for not being a piece of shit. Or, and, and it's wow. interesting, but I also think that it's a part of it now. If you're not you know, settled and married, that I think women are getting that bag now. But I think that the issue, because I'm talking to this one um, porn star that's pretty well known. And, and my thing that I want to talk to her about, but it's been hard to bridge, is like, what do you do in seven years when your tits sag? Now, I know each of these women are capable of amazing things, mm -hmm. but are they actively evolving themselves to do that when it does fade? You like, know, like, for example, like Sasha Gray. There like, you go. She, yeah. she made it so that her porn was literally a jump off for her actual yep. branding of her name and her career. That's for, it. And for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, because I, I, I do check in on it every now and then because I think it's I think it's awesome and it's cool. And because I'm a dork is like her big thing now is that she I, whether it's a podcast or or just her Web page, it's just her like just gaming. Yeah, I know. She just games. That's it. You earned it, girl. Yeah. Esports like esports. Like, OK. <laughs> and you know what? Guys like to watch girls game and cool. Whatever. You know, I've dated girl gamers and I'll be honest with you. And I've always said this. Yeah, they're really cute until they don't leave the couch for two days. <laughs> it's the same thing when a girl sees a true guy gamer and it's like, you sat there for nine hours. But I mean, I've seen that girl not move for two fucking days. I'm not even exaggerating. And it's like, you good. And like, she's cute. She's fit. Like, it's none of that shit. She's not like morbidly obese, but it's like, girl, you need a little sunshine. We all need a little sunshine. Bobby had to drag me out of my house today by my heels. You need a little screaming. vitamin D. Yeah, you need a vitamin D, the right then, kind of D. Yeah. yeah I know then, I know where you were going. Yeah, you do. And then you need Rem's D. Right, the remedy. Oh, I like yeah. that, the remedy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to copyright that. But I think that we're in a sexual evolution, but the sexual evolution is focused on women. Mm -hmm. It is. It, it's what they want, the relationship. They dictate the relationships. They dictate when the sex happens. And I understand that it's about fucking time. Because they've been squall like, let's be honest. Can I just say this? This needs to be its own episode, so clip this. Yeah. But marriage was created for men to control women in every way of their life initially. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a yeah. marriage like it is now. It was an ownership. Yeah. It was a slave contract. Once you had that woman married, you could say, oh, if she's attracted to women, put her in an institution. Do you, do you know what the... Wait, let me finish this okay. little. If she's attracted to women, put her in an institution. Does she smoke cigarettes and you don't like it? Put her in an institution. She can't claim rape because you're her husband. That didn't happen until the late 70s. So she just becomes an indentured servant. And back then it was cooking, cleaning, breeding your children. Those women didn't have jobs. It was, it was servitude. Yep. It was servitude. So, so I, I like the idea that marriage, and this is an insult to you or any of my friends, but that the marriage dichotomy, at least how it used to be viewed, is breaking up. Mm -hmm. It is. But I also am worried that it's breaking up too much. I'm not conservative. I never wanted kids. I never wanted a wife. Yep. Bobby knows. I'm a nomad. I live the life I live, but I have to live it the way I live it. And I have to be true to myself or else I just get chronically depressed, you know? Um, but like, I do worry about that ideal completely going away because I do think there is something to be said for monogamous, committed consensual relationships that just vibe like there's a magic in that that people who haven't experienced it would never know and it's it's a spiritual high it's an emotional high it increases your self-worth so i think it's cool that like you know you, again a lot of these girls it's like oh yeah i've had a threesome i had a foursome and it's like word you know you get you're getting it mm -hmm. i respect that 
But I also think, you know, again, in five years, where are you going to be? And, and, I'm, and that's not to them. That's to men who do it. That's to everybody who may use their sex as their predominant method of, um, you know, income. But I see these girls and some of them, you know, because they will appear on TikTok and you're like, this girl's clearly like 19. Yep. She's got links in her bio to see her naked. It's like, girl, girl, like, listen, you're beautiful and shit, but come on, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Like, we can, and I'm not on some fine God shit because I don't believe in that um, idolatry. But I just, I hope they don't all find themselves at a dead end. And it's good you brought it back around to uh, monetizing sexuality, just just uh, sexuality, uh, because the analogy that I was going to use when you were talking earlier about um well, how do we stop that cycle? Is it women empowering themselves and doing it, or is it just men still objectifying them? And, it, and where does it start to rent? That's its and own I, episode. And it's the snake. It's the snake eating itself. Or a burros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That's that's what it is. I, I just mean, read about him today. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. I'll tell you why it's good, and I'll tell you why it's bad. And after this, I'll let you talk some, because I'm monologuing. Okay. <laughs> um, apologies. But the reason it's good, okay, because these women, for the first time, in history are managing themselves with these careers mm -hmm. for the most part. And that's going to be the biggest evolution in how they're treated, how they, how they get paid, everything, how they're seen. I know there's a lot of agencies right now with these e-girls, these little like girls that pretend to be anime characters and stuff, but there are agencies that like pay them well and take care of them and give them housing. And it's not like some creepy, weird, male-run, sweaty industry anymore. Yeah. And so, because if you go back to the 70s, 80s, and 90s, those girls were getting exploited. They yep. weren't doing it themselves. Now you have girls who are like, all right, I want to do this. And so for the first time in history... You had a, you, you had what's-her-name in Deep Throat. Yeah. You had what's-her-name in Deep Throat who was like literally wrote her memoir and talked about she was she was drugged and raped. Yeah, it's man. like, oh, well, yeah, I guess you can deep throat when you're on like 10 quaaludes. Dude, you know? it's, yeah. her story is worse than anyone knows. Yes, yeah, yeah. I know, I was telling you on the way here about the Playboy documentary. Yes, you were. And um, you brought her up, so I'm just going to say it, but because uh, she killed herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Linda Lovelace. Yep, yep. Was brought to the Playboy Mansion. She thought she was being brought there to party. She wasn't. She was being brought there to be drugged and assaulted by multiple people. And at the end of it, and I'm sorry, man, trigger warning for people, Bob. We'll have to figure out how to do this. I can word it delicately, but you open the door and it's just fresh in my brain. But I was telling him that one of the things they did at the Playboy Mansion was they would have bestiality nights. Um, not, And it would be they'd bring in animals and they'd bring in streetwalkers from Sunset Strip and um, generally pretty famous well-known female sexual movie stars and they brought her in and like people that were there said right when they opened the door to the limo to let her out she was she was quaaluded out she couldn't fucking talk she couldn't speak people were groping her and grabbing her crotch and stuff and and that evening they got a video of her with the dog yeah she's pretty much blacked out and then they used that video to blackmail her and be like yeah. listen you know you got to come back and take care of dudes here or else it's so um, big. Wait, but let me circle back because I never yep. finished my initial thought. I'm sorry. Go for it. Um, so the reason it's good is they're owning it for the first time and they're not going full Lovelace. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, I was actually going to bring it back to that because um, Wait, what, just, what you said was artistic control. 
Yeah, that's you, what it is. Yeah, you said artistic control. The Own your branding. Something that has never, if ever, happened up to, up to this point. And honestly, it's it's never happened on this wide a scale. No. So even even though there is there is positive, I mean, let's let's call that a positive. Um, social media is a double edged sword. Hundred I mean, percent. Um, yeah, there's there's people that are savvy and can work their way through it. There's people who just don't know what what they're doing and they just blah 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 and yeah. and they just stir up all the division. Uh, that that is there under the surface. They just put it really out there for people. Um, well, that's the bad part too. And on the other extreme of that, the bad yeah. part is that the emphasis on them being sexual and being naked is way too high. That's the offset. So the good part is they can own their own imagery. They can sue people who manipulate and they don't have to do scenes with greasy guys and stuff. That's why you're also seeing a lot more girl-girl stuff all over the world because it's i'm sorry guys but we ruined it it's safer for them yeah they feel safer they don't get nuts in the face there are just elements of disrespect that women can't do to one another that men can do to women Mm -hmm. but i think the other like i said the other problem because like i've been friends with a couple girls on snapchat sweet girls whatever but it's like talk to them for like a month and i'm like wow these girls are so kind And, and they'll be like oh do you want my menu do you know about the menu thing no it's like this subculture thing where like you can ask and you shouldn't but almost any girl who's an influencer or an e-girl or a model who's like high-end and a little more risque, yeah. you can hit them up for menus. And it's exactly what you think it is. The sexual menu? It's a sexual menu that can go two ways. Predominantly, it's a sexual menu that'll be like categorized, okay? So it'll be like, first tier, I'll send you photos. Second tier, I'll send you videos and photos. Third tier, uh-huh. I'll give you a Dropbox with like 100 hours of content. Fourth tier, I'll do FaceTimes with you. You know, Bob's face just now. I'm sorry. I have to share this, man, because we're not. Bob's face just now was like, no shit. <laughs> it was a genuine like, huh. yeah. And like, first of all, word, right? It's phone sex, but with video. And you can be like, I don't know, jump around, spank your ass, I guess. You know, like I, I'm assuming you are the DJ for what happens. And but fifth tier is when I guess it's like meetups. And a big thing on, on through Snapchat is like car fucking. Ugh. Yeah, so you give these chicks like a hundred, and I swear on God, I don't do this shit. I'm Bob knows I try to save these girls. Yep. Um, so I don't do this shit. But yeah, hundred bucks, some bitch will drive to your house, and you can fuck her on your street or something. And it's like, but the menu thing's disheartening. So I remember one of these girls. I'm like, I'm like, this girl's like a princess, and she offered me your menu, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, good for you. But there's yeah, a part probably, of me, I probably would have been like, oh, like no, that probably would have been my reaction. No, like, it oh. was. That's why. But you don't, you don't air that because they've been led to believe that that shit's wrong their whole yeah, life so i can normalize like, for them yeah, yeah and i'm just like no thanks yeah word I'll, I'll always say the same thing when i get that i'll say no thanks but get your bag girl make mm-hmm. your money make your brand but again there's too much now one area of uh social media's impact that we haven't talked about it's not even related to sex we went down the sex rabbit hole and hey that's where it took us but um the impact that social media has had on media like and by media i mean the news i know like so I remember a time what, where breaking news took lots of research. You wanted all of your I's and T's do- dotted. And, and I'll specifically point to like Twitter. Like things are broken on Twitter so fast that fact checking and all that went out the window and it really took away the credibility mm-hmm. of, of major news sources to the point where um, everyone was just trying to break something first. Yeah. And, and people are wrong more often now. And and I enjoy that. I I do. I, enjoy, I the sadist in me enjoys when you're when someone's wrong just because they wanted to be the person who broke news. And that's the birth of misinformation in and of yep. itself. Yeah. And it's it's 
disheartening, I think, for, you know, you got to understand it at the heart of this too, I'm a journalist and it's mm -hmm. just been incredibly disheartening. I've stepped away from the field because it doesn't have the, excuse me, the credibility it once did at all. People look at journalists like scumbags now, but we, real journalists didn't start the fake news thing at all. Bobby knows I've researched shit for six months before I've published it. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in that. You know, Bobby was talking to me about something earlier today about the real world, and we're not going to frame it yet because it's pretty intense. But he clearly did extend, like I asked him, I'm like, yeah, he clearly did extensive research. And I encourage that, especially in the modern age where everything's at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, yeah, like even the Chris Rock slap, the infamous slap yep. heard around the world. I heard about, I don't watch those shows. I heard about that because I was on Twitter. Someone capped it immediately on a GIF and I'm like, that's not real. I <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, wait, yeah. that's Will. No, that's not real. But there is, and there's a coolness to how they break news because you can literally see the crime or see something. Yeah. But there's also a coldness and a calculatedness and that's where the inaccuracy yes, it comes does, along. There is a numbing effect mm -hmm. to it. Um, but, one now we we we, we focus on the negative, so, but not, let's talk about one positive that's come out of this. Yes, and I know, I know you're not big into sports, but I'm going to bring up the Players Tribune. Like that's because that was players taking like no no if we're going to break news if we want if there's going to be news broken about ourselves we're going to be gonna the gonna ones to it. break it about ourselves. Yeah, I think that was that was wonderful, and I I, I love I love reading the Players Tribune. Uh, a lot, and maybe that'll set the tone for more people in similar mm -hmm. fields. To be like, yo, listen, yeah. if you want to hear something about us, hear it from us. Yeah. That's just it. I mean, Brahma, this is one reason I wanted to start this podcast. I I, I look at it as, yeah, uh, we're talking about our age range of people, but uh, I feel like we're we're miscategorized. Yes. Um, so the stereotypes about, about us are wrong, mm -hmm. and it just perpetuates this thing and the, the impact that can have on us. So I wanted to create something that was to educate and inform people. Uh, and I, and it truly to bring people together to understand people from other generations too. Yeah. Yeah. This is about people born, uh, you know, in the late seventies and early eighties, but guess what? We, we interact with people that are Gen X and, and well, we, I, I, we interact with people who are Gen Z. It's, it's just, well, you know what it is? It's, it's as corny as this is, it's about people period. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're just speaking from a particular mindset, but I don't think we alienate any side at all. Because right. I think the point of this, I think, which is important to me and Bobby, is um, making sure we can reference all sides of it. Mm -hmm. And always leaving the door open that if anybody who listens uh, just feels a certain way about something, I mean, or if it's if it's covering a topic from an angle that you, we didn't and you wanted us to, I, hey, I'm more than happy to do that. And if people want to come on here and they just want to have a healthy discussion, I do view this as a safe space. Yeah, like, I, would, I would honestly, <laughs> if, if you're cool with it, Bob, at some point down the road when we actually have people. Yeah. Um, I'd love to tell people on here, my Twitter handle, ironically enough, because if yeah, they did want to hit us up about anything, I mean, that's the one thing that's amazing about it. Yep. Cause people won't always find your email information. They won't mm -hmm. look at your LinkedIn. So if there's at least a, a place they can go to be like, love this episode. Can you guys address this a little more or just, yeah, just whatever, man, me and Bob are adults. So at the end of the mm -hmm. day, any, anybody who listens and gives, any kind of feedback is super appreciated. Yeah, and, exactly. And we're going to, I think the idea for me and Bob too, probably in a year's time um, would be to get different voices of different cultures and different ages on here. Oh, uh, I thought, I thought a uh, big picture uh, taking this on the road live casts. Yeah. That'd be yeah. amazing. Yep. But I mean, you know, we can do it. 
Yeah. This is the but, ground floor, but we can do it. But I think until that time, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground with this episode. Um, so I think this odyssey is always, this one has come to a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, so we look forward to hearing back from you guys or just that you tune in for the next time. Take care. Have yourselves a wonderful evening.